0: Mx
1: network production
2: what's up guys it's Alex Gray and you're listening to
3: the pulpmx wrap up show that's all we need is more fake news
1: MX bullshit it's quality not quantity alright man
4: Welcome to the Pulp'Mex Wrap-Up Show. This is Darkseid from the Moto X Pod Show. This is the number one wrap-up show in the moto industry, where each week, myself and a couple guests wrap up and discuss the good, the bad, and the janky in that week's Pulp MX Show. But before we get started, I want to thank all the sponsors who've come on board guts racing michelin bicycle tires seal savers and motorsport.com i appreciate all the help and support from those great companies so please use them and support them also feel free to reach out with questions comments or critiques by emailing me darkside at Pulpamex.com. all right let's wrap this thing up What's up, bud? How are you?
0: I'm here. It's Monday. Oh, boy. Once a pro, always a pro. Okay, but listen. They don't come here for motocross. I concur. Right now, Jeffrey Hurlings is um, the fastest motocross, pure motocross rider. On the on planet. The planet. Say it. It's pure motocross over there, and that's a wonderful thing. Harry Dale, everybody. Harry Dale. So.
5: <laughs> it can't be easy to be Glenn Helen. You know, I basically, I saved Supercross with my idea.
0: <laughs> Pulling an El Hombre. Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> maybe it could be a pulp mx fantasy Mm. logo you save supercross i don't want to name names
5: but you know adam cincerilla i was told the nets weren't gonna work at one time i think they can go faster right now
0: pulling on my cord
5: here hurlings is the fastest guy in the world in motocross is this where you have to like you don't have a lot of content you have to go with some outrageous take (laughs) and so my tweet angered some fucking morons on twitter me. Point for me. Marks, make the noise. Uh, no, say? Marks, the don't, the noise. don't you dare. Marks, make don't the noise. You dare. We'll, put it to a, we'll put it to a vote. You're fired, Marks. I'm not doing some you're, sort of voodoo you're, gypsy you're diet. Going. Big time asshole, Andrew Short. <laughs> it's too thick.
0: I mean, JT works out a lot, but I work out I know. equally as... I'm an idiot. The dude can run like the wind. <laughs> I hope he didn't notice me beating off. I got yeah. big balls. So, Doesn't I mean, mean he likes wieners, though. Poop. My wife's never been happier with my balls. Like...
5: You shaved your butthole. Uh, If you're one of those 60.4, you can fuck
4: off. Yeah, like,
0: fuck. Leave the guy alone. Well, that's kind of like a a pussy thing to do.
4: All right, another Pulp show is come and gone. That means it's time for another stellar wrap-up show. We're hoping it's going to be stellar. This, Guys, this is Deja Vu. We are working on our third time basically starting this wrap-up show. We did an entire two hours last night, Uh, 24 minutes in. The audio was damaged. Don't know what happened. We changed everything out. We're going to try this again. I want to thank my co-hosts for being willing to do an entire show twice. Unfortunately, today, my co-hosts are driving, both of them, separately, going to wherever the hell they're going. Minios, O's, I believe, but there may be some background noise. It really sucks because you guys missed a fucking ripper of a show last night, but we're going to try to re- replicate and recreate the entire experience, so we've got a lot to talk about t- today. From Glen Helen's fallout from the Monday past Monday show to GPS versus Nationals to caller Chad's story about racing at Glen Helen, we even had Davy Coombs come on and tell Steve that he saved Supercross. God help us, his head is going to explode. So let's introduce our guests and get right into it. First up from that other three letter gear company that starts with an F, brought to you by Guts Racing, Connor Olson.
2: What's going on, Darkside? How are you?
4: I'm good, man. Um, this feels really familiar, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, I I was just thinking while you're talking. I gotta like come up with new jokes because we've heard like the three of us have heard the same jokes three times now. So I'd rather you gotta, keep it. I gotta think on the spot. No,
4: no, come up with the same jokes because we were laughing our balls off last night, and <laughs> nobody's gonna get to experience. Or you know what? If you do come up with new jokes, then we could say, well, the last ones were better you missed out sorry so either way i guess either way it works but also on the line from wps and the motospot show brought to you by seal savers triple j what up dude yo what's up dark side how are you doing good let me turn you down that was loud as shit that
2: was just him
4: he's being aggressive yeah he's being aggressive um okay oh my god I'm too loud too quiet i can't deal with you guys yeah i'm never never happy never happy it's all right we're gonna get it right it's just uh you guys are on the road it shit happens This week, guys, show 483, Paul Parabino's in studio. The guy that nobody knows, Moser shows up somehow. Now we all know him. He joins later in the show. Lewis Phillips, Davey Coombs, and Nick Way all on the phone. There was a lot of good stuff to talk about, including the phone call, like I talked about, from Chad. Uh, We were lucky enough last night, thanks to you guys, to get Caleb Tennant on the phone to talk about Chad. He's the guy that Chad mentioned. He trained Chad a little bit caleb came on talked that audio sounds like shit but i am going to go ahead and add that to the end of the show if you guys want to bear with it and listen to it you can understand it it just sounds robotic but hey it'll be there if you want it if you don't just quit listening i don't know what to tell you uh but anyway connor or uh yeah connor so you guys both sent me some notes pre-show yesterday it's the third time we've talked about this but uh you had some uh comments about triple j's notes what's up with that
2: I, uh, I can continue to talk about this because it's hilarious to me, but we just, I don't, I don't get it. The, just the broke dick notes, like there was one word responses and it was just not, not up to the Pulp MX wrap wrap up show standards. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was kind of like, expect better. it was like,
4: Moser funny, Steve good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Glenn Helen, Glenn Helen, stupid.
4: (laughs) Right, right. Triple, you got a response? You got a retort?
2: You asked for notes, Darkside. Connors did damn
3: biography. Okay? There's a difference. Okay? (laughs) I gave you key notes to talk about. Yeah. Not a damn script.
4: Well, as I said, I need to quit saying this. As I said last night, though, the bar is set very high. Our boy, Nick, over at Moto Limited show and then Stephen Hall all send me these detailed notes, time-stamped, So I can go back and find stuff, and then you know you got you got uh, Connor who's a little bit under that, and then Triple who's you know down there at the bottom, at the bottom, below grade, hanging out, hanging out, power base, doing the bare minimum. But hey, I I appreciate the notes. It's all good. Uh, Connor, a lot of wine drinking Monday night with Moser and Paul Parabinos. Give me your thoughts overall on the show, favorite parts, anything like that that stood out.
2: Oh, I loved it. I love uh, Paul's a super good dude, and I'm not just saying that because he said I was a good dude. Uh, <laughs> yes, you are. But, <laughs> but yeah, Paul's super good. The show in general, like the guests were awesome. Um, obviously, we're going to get into it, but the the list of guests were good. All of the conversations were good, especially being for like off season. Um, it was good to have some like actual content and have some of the good. Good guests that we all sort of appreciate each week that they're actually on.
4: Definitely. Triple, uh, same thing. Thoughts on the show? Anything that stood out? Anything that got missed?
3: Hey, Dark side. I thought the show was good. Um, you know, Paul and those guys always bring good insight. You never go wrong with NYK in the studio. And then also, Louis, um, you know, he's, he's kind of like a Steve over in Europe. Very insightful, very detailed. I love what he brings to the episodes. And you know, Steve's kind of mentioned that some people said he's been on quite a bit. But honestly, Lewis is a good guest, so I don't mind it at all. So, yeah. overall, I would love to see Paul and Nick in studio together. I feel like that would be a really good episode. And I'm bummed Randy's not there. Uh, Randy Randy's always a good episode, or good co-host too. So, hopefully True. we can get Randy back in studio.
4: Definitely. You, you mentioned Lewis Phillips. Uh, he was the first guest of the night. This is about the third time in a few months he's been on to discuss everything GP-related. Like you said, he's, he, you guys talked about this. He's he's like the Steve Mathis over there. He gets all the insight, and we're going to get into some of that stuff. Uh, he, he discussed about the, the fact that the right guy won. It was the best scenario for the final round of the GPs. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't really follow GPs a ton this year. I didn't break down and pay for the package, and I really regret it. Listening to Lewis Phillips Monday night and over the last few weeks makes me – I need to go buy the package – Re-listen because it was just such a great series. But I love Lewis being on, man. He just fires me up. So knowledgeable, so exciting, uh Triple. I think he I think he should be a guy that's, once the GP starting next year, like maybe once a month, Steve has him on.
3: Dark side, you got to uh, get more involved with Snowboard Nation. They stream the GPs in
4: Snowboard. Dude, you're not lying. I got to figure that out. i You're right. I don't spend enough time on there because I feel like my time – goes to so many other places and that's just one more thing but yeah I, if i can watch it stream it from snowboard i need to get involved
2: yeah, dude, you're gonna get snowboard oh. shut down
4: <laughs> yeah that's true right <laughs> top secret
2: go live. david yeah. Delongo yeah. is gonna come in there hot
4: <laughs> so uh connor yeah. we're, we're talking about lewis Phyllis, man how do you feel about the guy he's uh I, again i just i'm always impressed with him
2: yeah, I think like you guys are saying, he's a, I mean, we, we have talked about it and triple just mentioned it. Like he's sort of like the Steve of Europe. Um, he has a lot of insight that, that, I mean, I'm into the GPs. I watch every single one of them, like more than the nationals. And I, and there's a lot of stuff that you just don't get to see. So hearing a lot of things from someone that has some of that extra insight and like his tight relationship with hurlings and seeing, he's seeing and hearing some of that extra stuff, like just following them on social and, and whenever he comes on the show, I think that would like your idea him coming on once a month or something during the, during the DPs or even like after a good one or something like that, where I think that'd be awesome for the show.
4: Absolutely. Uh, Steve had brought up, uh, Monday night, he, you know, the fact that Favre and, and Geyser seem like they're really good sports after Hurlings won the championship, uh, you know, which we love, right? Or I guess if you're Daniel Blair, you love controversy, but we like, we like good sportsmanship, but, you know, we got a little insight out of Lewis on that.
2: Well, the only, there was only
4: one little hiccup on that front. Um, after the second most,
2: Prado went up to Fevra behind the podium and went to shake his hand and, like, to say congrats on a good... Um, Fevra refused to shake his hand and called him an
5: arsehole. Yeah, so. yeah. Prado, <laughs> Prado, Prado, Prado seems to be like the the 800 a little bit over here. Hey,
0: yeah, he definitely rides a wide bike.
5: And plus, his comments like about when when him and Jeffrey collided, like his comments were just asinine.
2: at the end of the day, you are a pain in the ass and you're very annoying. But you're also just a very smart racer. And I was like, you can't really do anything about that other than like just let guys go. So, um, like, I don't think I don't think Prado does anything wrong other than just be ridiculously smart on a bike. Maybe the smartest rider in the world. I don't know, but
5: right. Huh? I think that's a, I don't think that's a fault.
0: I'm 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 with you, Lewis. Like I, I mean, Prado is great at getting starts and leading laps, and he rides great when he's in the front. And I I don't fault him for fighting for his position, but in some cases he does go I think a little over the line. He is absolutely a title contender in the future.
4: Right, right. So Triple, this is some information that had he not been on Monday night, had Lewis Phillips not been on Polemex Monday night, we're not going to hear this, right? This is like behind the scenes shit, same kind of stuff we always get from Steve. I love this. Like, I love this interaction that Prado's, you know, maybe not so liked and causing problems, but it's like, it's just good insider information.
3: Yeah. Look, uh, this this is a cool segment. And to hear Prado and Favor kind of have that, you know, rivalry almost is kind of cool to go into next year. And I think there's, you know, like they talk about later in the show, but there's next year, they is going to be good. You, you know, there's some guys going to new teams and, and Potter's gonna be on the gas gas, so I'm excited to see kind of what he can do on that bike and not have to worry about being teammates with hurlings or Corollas.
4: Yeah, me too, and Connor. Uh, I don't know about him being the Alessi of the GPS, but you're you're a fan of the GPS. You followed it. What do you think of that information that we got Monday night?
2: Yeah, it's cool. Like uh, like Justin said, like I mean, I watched it all, and and I didn't see that, and um, to hear that insight from Lewis makes it makes it like even better having him on. It's cool to hear. That kind of stuff, like Daniel Blair would love, just the controversy. Right. Um, I saw the one thing that did show on TV was uh, Geiser was sitting on the edge of the podium when, like, uh, everyone was kind of getting ready for it, and he looked like he was on suicide watch, about to jump off the back of the podium. But, oh, really? But yeah, it was. Uh, it's cool to to get Lewis's insight on all of that for sure.
4: Yeah, I, I enjoy it. Again, I've got to. I got to follow it more. I got to watch him. Uh, just make the time, man, because every time Lewis is on, I am, I regret the fact that I haven't been paying attention. Uh, and then
2: again, you having have plenty Lewis of time today to watch, what's that? You have plenty of time today to watch.
4: Oh yeah. 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 So you
2: didn't have anything going
4: on. Yeah. I, you know, I got in bed around 1am last night after trying to figure out what the hell happened to the show, the audio. And then I got up at five, starting messing with it again. So yeah. And I've been at work since. So yeah, you're right. I got lots of time, dude. I took off work early as a matter <laughs> of fact, to record this right now. So, yeah, yeah, uh, and yeah, hey, it,
3: speaking of uh, speaking of controversy, I would like to know if there was any like uh, overshadowing or any like jealousy from hurling to Caroli, you know, because hurling's won the title, but Crowley got a lot of praise for his last race in retiring. So it's yeah, like you just won the biggest championship of your life. Granted, he's won it before, but get but still, I mean, that was a gnarly race, it came down to the last race of the year. He wins it, wins the title. But I mean, you would have thought that it was a curling party and not a hurling party.
4: You think he might be a little butthurt?
3: I don't know, dude. Like, I mean, these guys are all like they're not all ego, but I mean, like, there's a little bit of pride in there. You would think, right?
4: There's some ego in there for sure. So yeah, I could see well, him being a little hurlings. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. So I could definitely see him being a little frustrated. That's that's pretty interesting. I wish that had been brought up for Lewis to talk about. But uh, having Lewis on, and later Davy Coombs comes on. The guys had some discussions and a little bit of ranting about the gps versus the nationals importance and prestige
0: the gp scene was a little bit behind i think u.s scene as far yeah. as like talent level uh rider speed bikes everything but i i do think in the last five years that's changed right. um I, now i believe gp bikes when it comes to a motocross track are probably probably the best on the planet but better than our us bikes and i think they're riders Uh, we've seen it now many times the talent level over there is is superior i don't want to say superior but it's it's raised very high but what's more important to win the 450 u.s title or the mxgp title what's more important
5: what do you mean i think they're the same
0: I, yeah. I disagree. Yeah. I think you make more money to win. A it doesn't
5: DC matter title. what you make more money because obviously you pay, Supercross takes all the money. So Over you there.
0: think a 12-race series on one continent is more important to win than an 18-race series around the globe?
5: Absolutely. Yeah. No, no, no. The same. I said they're the same. They're, they're, they're,
0: they're the same. They don't come here for motocross. In America, we do two forms of racing we have two big series and one is the biggest series of all yep which is monster energy ama supercross it's pure motocross over there and that's a wonderful thing but I do believe what makes our series so great is that production rule and the fact that you can show up and race. You can't – MXGP is almost becoming like Formula One. You have to pay a bunch of money, to get a wild card spot. You're going to be on equipment that is vastly superior – I'm sorry, inferior.
5: I question all of their win records and all of their legacies a little bit because the USA has gotten these guys to come here.
0: Never forget that the one guy who did decide to cross the pond and just for the hell of it race a national – Jeffy Hurlings, and, and he won. And that's, that was mightily impressive. But the speed that those guys are able to go on motorcycles that are custom-built
2: for specific racetracks, I think that's really challenging to deal with. And I think
1: now that I've learned more, I'm starting to understand why we have such a difficult time beating these guys at Motocross the Nation. I think they can go faster right now.
0: I think if you take all six riders and put them in the GP Series and race 18 races— Fevra, Hurlings, and Geyser would score more points. I think if you you take all six guys and put them in our 12-round series, Fevra, Geyser, and Hurlings would score more points.
5: Ah, that is... That's insane. You said those three would beat American guys over here and over there. They would. And I can't even, like... I can't even begin to have this discussion if that's what you think. Like, that's insane.
4: Well, Steve says it's insane. Uh... Connor, I want to go to you first in a moment, but the first thing I want to touch on is I was blown away Monday night when Davey Coombs basically he, he straight up said that Supercross is the biggest series. Uh that like I just don't expect that out of Davey because he is so he's a national guy, right? So he usually says, "Oh, the na-, you know, he usually kind of pumps the Nationals up more. I've never heard him say that like b- flat out say he agrees, or knows, or understands that the Supercross series is the biggest series in the United States. Uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on that before we get into the rest of the audio. Uh, Connor, go ahead and go first.
2: Yeah, it was it was really interesting, like you said, hearing him actually like I, I guess kind of admit that. But I think um, honestly, I think when like in further into the interview and some previous times that he's been on the show, it seems like they like MX Sports is working a little bit. I mean, not really working with them, but they're a little bit more. Um, their their communication is better between Supercross and Outdoors, so I think maybe maybe he's sort of letting down the guard and in the front that the Nationals is the only the only thing to do. I think he's maybe sort of starting to realize that, or or I guess admit that Supercross is the the most important thing. Uh, but it was yeah, it was definitely very very intriguing to hear him actually say that
4: i agree i agree uh, triple thoughts
3: yeah it's cool to always have Davey on he always provides a good insight to the sport and kind of breaks down you know our industry a little bit and for him to say that is pretty i think a pretty big step forward right for our for our industry and for our sport to uh have him admit something like that when he puts on a series that a lot of sponsors and money are involved in and so I liked it. I hope we get more of that. And I hope we get more people, you know, kind of involved in both, but I I will say that I think everybody now knows that Supercross is the biggest series. Yeah. David kind of, you know, confirm that is uh, is huge.
4: Agreed. Uh, Okay. Connor, back to you, all the audio about the, you're, you're the GP guy on tonight for the most part. So uh, where do you stand on what they had to say? Uh, I think they all made some pretty good points and we're going to break it down a little bit more, but where do you stand?
2: I uh, I actually have raced a MXGP, so I am the go-to GP guy here. Oh, of course, of course. with all of us. But, yes, yes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think I, I definitely sort of side with Paul on the whole thing. Like, I think the – and Paul and JT, I guess, on, on their point. So I would have voted for them in the Twitter poll. But <laughs> I think they they definitely have a lot of good points as far as, like, the specialty of the bikes and the specialty of the actual – athletes themselves when they that's all they focus on is outdoors and our guys i mean it's starting november 1st or the end of october they're riding supercross until may and then they have two weeks until or two or three weeks or whatever until the outdoors and by the time that's over they just wait until they do supercross stuff again so i think it is definitely kind of a change of tide um a little bit it seems like the mxgp series is is kind of second to supercross. And then the nationals are like, I think JT maybe said it, of he feels like the guys are kind of just going through the motions by the time they get to outdoors. So I definitely, I definitely agree with a lot of their points and I see, I see their points, but I think the whole beef for an an hour between Paul and JT and Steve was Steve just misinterpreting that Paul and JT were thinking for the entire season, they, the MHTP guys would come out on top and, steve was thinking in a single race but yeah regardless i still side with paul jt so
4: yeah triple how about you man because i think we, we talked about this a little last night when we were doing this and you know paul had said something like in the last five years it started to shift uh and i think a lot of us over here in the united states we're, you know we're always all pro national that our guys are the best but we've been seeing like at, at Red Bud at the MXDN a, a couple of years ago when you could, when I was there and I could visually for myself in in real life, see the difference in how Koldenhoff and, and Hurlings uh, and those guys rode and almost basically I had to accept it at that point. And then, you know, even when Ryan Villapoto went over a few years ago in my mind, because I didn't know much about the GPs at that time, I was just like, yeah, dude, our guy's going to go kill it. Like he's going to dominate. And then to see how things went even though he wasn't fully prepared it, it was a very eye-opening for me where do you stand
3: yeah i all kind of nailed on the head when he said those guys came over for Superville. you know i don't think anybody's coming over here to ride motocross. like yeah they have to do it because it's in their contract but those guys you know there was rumors that prado was going to come over here and now he can stay over in the gps and make as much money if not more staying over there so that series is i feel a staple in the industry like it's a huge series and it's going to be one of the things where it's getting more competitive every year. And you can't really compare apples to apples. Like Connor said, those guys are 18 rounds of motocross. If our guys had 18 rounds of motocross, then yeah, you can compare the two, but it's two different supercross and motocross are two different disciplines. So I feel like you can't really compare them. And, and it's, this nation is going to be tougher and tougher for us every year, I believe.
4: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, and, and if we're, like we said, if we're focusing on Supercross, we're definitely not as prepared. Um, so, what about the win records, Connor? That Steve brought up a, a, a decent point that he questions their win records because guys like Kenny Roxon came over, uh, Dylan Ferrandis, you know Jet Lawrence, whoever, all the guys that have come over, and when, it takes away from the talent pool of that championship coming to our championship. So, he questions that the, the win record, the win records. What do you think?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think he has a really good point. Like, I don't, I don't think you can really disagree with this point. I I think they, like Justin just said, they come for different reasons, but in, as a like, as a, as a whole, they aren't racing the MXGPs. So Mm -hmm. yeah, they're not really coming just to compete in our national series, but yeah, they're not, they're not racing the MXGPs. So there is sort of a, not really an asterisk, I guess it's not that bad, but those guys aren't, aren't staying over there to the GPs. So I guess there is a a little bit of like, not as much, um, Prestige prestige. Yeah. Put on, on the actual MXGP. Cause I mean, who knows what the last couple of years would have looked like if Kenny's still there and Marvin's still there and Dylan moves up to the MX one class and like it would have definitely been a whole different look to the last couple of years for sure.
4: Yeah, I wonder if Ken, like Ken Roxon, came over at a time when the GPs weren't at the level or the elevation level they are now. So I wonder if Ken was starting out in the pros today, if he would choose to stay GP. because you had mentioned before, Connor, that like the money's better now than the GPS. So you know, or did he just you know did Kenny want to come run, ride Supercross? Right? I mean, that yeah. that decision may be different today than it was ten years ago, fifteen years ago, twenty years ago.
2: For sure. I mean, I think we're seeing it with like like Justin said, like Prada was rumored to come over, Hurlings was really really rumored to come over. Like all these guys were talking about it, and I think to Paul's point of like the tide sort of changing in the last five years, like they care all that much anymore. I'm sure there's still going to be some guys here and there like jet and Hunter that, that want to come for, for Supercross because it is the biggest title in the world. So I'm sure there's going to be some guys, but I think we're seeing or seeing less and less MXGP guys come over to stay in America and live here full time and race like the last whatever five ten years there was a handful of guys every year and now there's i mean jack and hunter are pretty much the last this would have been like dylan right and that's kind of about it over the last yeah. couple of years
4: yeah i think uh i think if you're a gp fan you know you're if you're not living in the united states uh, you're you're probably saying the gps are the pre- premier series but then When you live here and you follow the Nationals, you know we're 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 you know warm-blooded Americans. We bleed red, white, and blue, so we feel like our series is the best. I mean, it's it's going to be hard. You're not going to change anybody's opinion for the most part, unless you really go and watch these guys and learn something. But it's a definitely triple. It's a fun conversation to for them to have Monday night and just bench racing. Man, we love that shit.
3: Totally. Yeah, it's always good to hear them kind of give their you know their opinion and have that. Back and forth banter. Yeah. But the other thing, too, to remember is when Kenny came over, he won right away. Yeah. And he also won the outdoor title two years in a row. So it's like, if you're wanting to really compare outdoors, like Kenny came over and he kind of kicked our ass, too, like right away. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. I mean, he kind of, and then Marvin came over and he won, and now Dylan came over and he's won. So it's like, Europeans are coming over and winning. Marvin's kind of, kind of struggled. but Jet, Jet's, Jets winning, too. <laughs> yeah, and Jets winning, too. So it's like, I get it. We are red, white, blue, but it's uh, if you look at the, the data, the data, these Europeans are, are, you know, they're coming through with what they're telling, what, what it looks like. outside yeah. looking in? So didn't we have a couple all-European podiums this year too?
4: Yeah. Oh yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's uh it's one of those things where that those riders are getting better and better. And I think a lot of it has to do with. The way they prep their riders, you know, the EMX 125 series, the EMX 250 series, like those guys are riding national caliber tracks at 12, 13, 14 years old. So, good point. Um, I hope our, I hope eventually our, our guys will do that with, with MX Sports doing the, uh, amateur days now. Those seem to be getting bigger and bigger. So hopefully that will, uh, translate and give us better talent coming into the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years.
4: Yeah, hopefully. Uh, triple, I know you've done some mechanicing, uh, Connor, you know, firsthand his <laughs> skills before I had uh,
2: never do it. Subpar. subpar.
4: Subpar. Tell me, tell me why subpar. What's, what's the deal with Why is triple a bad mechanic?
2: So there's picture evidence. And if anyone wants to find this, it is actually posted on my Instagram at CEO 600. But, um, I was racing Washugo this year. I needed a mechanic like last minute. And I had Justin come out and we drove up to Washugo and, I think during the first moto or something, whenever it was, I uh, was coming through the mechanics area and, like, saw him. I seeked him out and saw him because I'm back in, whatever, 26th place by myself. So I have time to look around, you know. I'm, like, looking for hot chicks in the crowd. I'm looking for Hell mechanic yeah. to see, see what's going on. And tool pit wall. Um, and if you look, if you remember Washougal, you come by the pit lane, turn left onto the start straight going down the next straightaway. I had to turn my head all the way 45 degrees to the left to be able to see my pit board <laughs> about 15 seconds Five. after I had already passed.
4: What's, you, what's that triple? Um,
2: it's fine.
3: He He's not telling the part where he came in for practice and said, I, I don't know where I'm at. I can't see the pit board. I said, okay. This this one's going to see the tip board next time. That's for sure. And there's a couple other guys doing it. Like Rodger was doing it. I think Kate, I think Jade was doing it. Like everybody was doing
4: it. It's fine. Oh boy. It's like his everybody everybody was over-exaggerating.
3: He's over-exaggerating like his notes.
4: Well, let me tell you guys, seeing as how you don't sound like the perfect mechanic triple, I know myself as an amateur vet guy that really doesn't want to put a lot of effort into that kind of stuff. Changing fork seals is something I do not want to do. I want to be able to just go ride my bike. And that's why Seal Savers is the original fork seal protection, starting with the original Seal Savers to prevent dirt, dust, and mud from getting into your fork seals. Use pulp code 25 for 25% off at sealsavers.com. These things they are neoprene wraps that go around your fork seals, zip them on, and you go out and you have a moto you can ride in the mud. Like, you know, when if the water main breaks at Glen Helen, your bike's covered in mud. You come off the track when you wash the bike. Your fork seals are perfectly clean. You don't have to break the forks down, change those things out. You don't have to have special tools to clean change your fork seals. Because Seal Savers worked for you, baby. So get them.
3: And they make some cool UTV products too. Seal Savers is definitely on the gas.
4: Yeah, they're killing it with the side by side stuff. So check them out. SealSavers dot com. Uh, they they they're easy to use and they really will save you a lot of work. Uh, as I said, Davey Coombs came on to talk about. The 2022 MX National Series schedule coming out, uh, among other things. Listen, guys, Davey's super knowledgeable. I like him. I like what he has to say when he comes on. But listeners, I see this in YouTube chat and some other places. You see it in Vital. People, they, they think he's, like, too long-winded and maybe too politically correct sometimes with his answer. He sugarcoats things. Um, well, I kind of want to get your thoughts, Triple, because – he talked about Glenn Helen, he talked about WW Ranch and Junior and why they're not back because he had originally said there wouldn't be two Paulas, but now there is. I don't know, man. I think he gives a lot of information because he's so passionate about this sport and, he, again, very knowledgeable. I, I like his answers. I like his responses. He does have to be a little bit, bit quote-unquote, politically correct. He's a business owner. He's, you know, very high up in a major, uh, not sponsor, but, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Platform. Yeah. Platform of the sport. So he has to be careful, you know, but go ahead. Give me your thoughts on Davey. What do you agree with any of that? what do you think of his interview?
3: Yeah. Davey. Uh, I always enjoyed doing, uh, listening to and I've actually had a chance to do interviews with Davey with, uh, on another podcast. So I think he's just a, uh, he's a journalist, right? So yeah. he's going to break down everything and kind of give his opinion and go into depth why that's his opinion, and some people don't like that. But on the other hand, I enjoy it because it's like he's giving info. You know, the Glenn Helen talk, the um, W.W. Ranch, him and Chad Reed checking out his track to North Carolina. Like, that stuff was all really cool because we don't know that stuff. So for him to give us little, like, snippets of what's to come for pro motocross, I really enjoyed it. Yeah,
4: me too. Connor, I mean, look, Davey can't come out and say – the owner of glenn Helen's an asshole i'll never deal with him again you know and, and f this person and you know whatever he can't do that right i mean it's it, he's got to be professional he can't be steve mathis and have a race tech rant about something that's just not the position Davey's in
2: yeah i mean he's high up at, or whatever i don't even know what his job titles are and everything but he's super involved in pro motocross he's super involved in racer x like Unlimited Sports, Loretta's, all this other kind of stuff. So, like you said, he can't just come out and say some of that stuff. But it seems, as of kind of recently, some of his later appearances on the show, and, and especially this one, like Justin said, he's, like, given us some more inside, some more behind-the-scenes stuff. Like, he didn't need to tell anyone that they're looking at other tracks in Texas, which excited you, but yes, he didn't did. need to tell anyone that there's anything in Texas or the stuff with Chad Reed, like, it's cool that he's saying a lot more of that kind of stuff on the show um, and on a public, like in a public place for people to actually hear. So it is cool seeing that, but I, I could definitely understand some of the people's frustrations of like, maybe he, I mean, is he is a little long winded, but like we've all kind of talked about, he's like a super articulate guy. He likes, I mean, that that's his job. Like if you know anything about Davy Coombs, like, he writes a ton of stuff for racer X and it's a, a big long form, um, article. So that, that, that's kind of what he does. So hearing him talk in person or like through the podcast, I mean, it's kind of essentially the same, same thing as what he does, you know?
4: Yeah. He gave some, a couple, uh, different topics or different things he touched on Monday night that I, I really appreciated. One of them was, you know, where some of the money goes, right. They talked about, uh, he, he explained that, hey, there's money you guys don't necessarily think about. The, the average fan, maybe you don't realize like what they have to pay Alpine Stars medical, uh, what it costs to have the Wi-Fi out there, what it costs to have the TVs, the cameras out there and all the production crew, uh, the money they have to pay to other organizations. Like, you know, that's, it's easy for us or for, you know, keyboard warriors to get on their triple and just be like, they're just taking all the money. You know, I'm like, I don't feel like the writers, the pro riders should have to pay an entry fee but he kind of tried to explain where some of that goes and why that happens. And yes, it's a business. So you have to first understand that it's a business and they're trying to make money, but I, he at least explained some things that maybe we didn't all think about beforehand. Yeah. It's,
3: you know, he talked about the credentials and, you know, Asterix medical crew and, or now Alpine star medical yeah. Crew, and he talked about all that stuff and he kind of broke it down a little bit and kind of, you know, because there's other media outlets right now trying to blow him out. It's unfortunate, but, you know, I think he, a little bit of this this interview with him kind of saying, hey, this is why, this is what we do. You know, he hinted at the Chase Kessler thing. That was really cool. So I'm giving kudos to Davy for trying to be more open. And Grant, like you said earlier, like you can't spill all the beans, but he's trying to give people information that keeps us informed but also doesn't, you know, make ruin the sport or blow anybody <laughs> right, out. Right, right, right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I really enjoy. I think this is one of his better interviews. But I think uh, you know it, it could be worse, right? We could not have any series at all, and these manufacturers are paying a lot of money for for the riders to be on national TV, and you know guys like Connor get their race against the best in the world and still get to keep a day job. So yep. all in all, I uh, I think Davey's trying to do his best because a lot of people don't realize, or maybe they do and they just don't care, but Davey and his family are running that. You know, Supercross is ran by a multi-billion-dollar corporation, but MX Sports is just family. and Family and friends and volunteers. So maybe yeah. he's trying his best for what he has, and Connor will tell you that's one of the hardest working guys at the track. I mean, I've seen him unload UPS trucks at the
4: Reddit before. Yeah, Connor, we talked about that last night, right? That's one of the things we said. It's like I've seen him out there, like just pouring sweat because he's at, You mentioned he's out there putting banners up, uh, you know, or the the Cherubis track markers. Like he's not coming out there and, you know, in, in his nice clothes and up in the, you know, in the press box or not the press box, but the, the tower, you know, he's labor. He's working his ass off to make this happen. Yeah.
2: He's the sweatiest dude at the track. Yes, he is. Before, before we all start riding.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And, and another couple things that came up, well, let's go to the Jace Kessler's things since uh triple mentioned that. I thought that was awesome. He brought the, the, the situation got brought up. Steve had had Jason on, talked about it, uh, a few weeks ago, or when it, right after it happened, and he he explained. Look, we had a a fill in guy from another series. He asked the wrong guy, but that guy should the answer should have been, "Yeah, we're gonna let you race, and, and we'll figure it out." He basically accepted the fact, or you know that hey, it was a mistake on their part. They comped his entry fee, and then they also they're changing the rule. Like, that's good for the sport. He said, hey, there's a problem. We're going to do our best to uh, remedy it and make up for the issue that happened, Triple. And I think, like, you can't ask for any more. It could have been like, oh, fuck it. Oh, well, too bad. Sorry, Jace.
3: Yeah, he could have just wrote that thing off and said, hey, like, I got my money already. Yeah. But I will say that walk from the Ironman (laughs) Gate to the the Climateers, it sucks.
4: It's a long way, huh?
3: Um yeah, it's it's a long way, especially if you're my size. You know, mechanic size is, is sick. So, um, it's a, it's a big boy. It's one of those things where I'm I'm glad that uh, Davey kind of talked about that. Yeah, you it know, was. People aren't vital in other forums. They just like to to go straight negative and put their two cents in and belittle people. And I'm glad that uh, Davey was able to give us some insight on you know the aftermath of what happened.
4: I was too. I thought it was fantastic. Last thing with Davey um as as far as right now anyway was the banner discussion steve brought up his idea for the banners uh putting a gap and this is good but it could be bad or it could be funny in the end uh connor but he's like hey it's not a bad idea uh you saved supercross with the nets now maybe you're saving outdoors with the gap in the uh, with the popamax fantasy uh arrows to show you where to get back on the track and the nationals like he actually he took the idea said hey I'm going to talk to our people and we'll see what we can do. Like Steve's head may not fit through the door next month, but uh, I liked, I like the fact again that he's accepting critic criticism, uh, constructive criticism.
2: Yeah, it was cool. I, uh, we, uh, we kind of talked about it. I think I'm going to, I'm going to try to find one of them. And <laughs> yeah. as I'm getting, as I'm getting lapped, I'm going to try to jump off the track and time it that on TV, I'm coming back through the, Pulvermex Memorial, entry lane. (laughs) Okay. So just just to give Steve another another talking point and another win, so he can save the outdoors like he saved Supercross.
4: I love it. Yeah, Steve will never ever stop talking about this if it happens. But it'll be good for the sport. It'd be good for the show. So fuck it, let's do it. (laughs) Uh, Last week, man, tons of tons of Glenn Helen talk after the Vet World Championship show. Those shows have become some of my favorite shows, but there's a little bit of fallout. Steve, Steve got some fla- some flashback, I guess, from some of the, probably from some of the people at Glen Helen and Paul Parabino's talked about the fact that he doesn't like the track either. Our guy, Chad called in as we talked about and confirms a lot of these issues. You don't go to Glen Helen. No, I don't go anymore. You used to go,
5: and you spent a lot of hours there. And and, and I actually used your name as an example. So I'm oh. talking about a little bit of the fallout because I was told that someone at Glen Helen said that even if the event ran perfect, I wouldn't uh, say it because uh, I just don't like Glen Helen. And I'm like, hold on. I drive two and a half hours to go practice there, give them my money, and go practice there because I like the track. Not at World Vet time, but generally speaking, that's a fun track. It's not uh, – if you leave by – 11 or 12.
0: (laughs) Yeah, okay. There's just no reason for me to give money to Glen Hell anymore because every time I go, I'm disappointed. Yeah. There's just you don't get the value for your for your money. Ever. Whether
5: it, whether it's the watering of the track, the flaggers. Yeah, it's everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah get, yeah, get everything. some
0: flaggers on a Thursday for one. Um, I mean, I I tried to go there to for this uh, weekend. I think it was Swaps Vet Race. Okay. And I was like, oh, I'll go. That's yep. a vet race, right? That'd be fun. So I show up on a Friday. Practice supposed to start nine. It didn't start till ten. They're grooming the track. They're putting this new line up in the REM that they're just carving through the trees the day of. And I go over there the first lap, and you take off, and it turns down the hill this way. So if you jump it straight, you're in the fucking woods. <laughs> and it's little dumb stuff like yeah. that that they just simply do yeah. not care for the people yeah. attending their their facility. And I, I've had enough creating danger for no reason. Yep, easily can be avoided yep. by putting some thought yeah. into the race order.
4: Uh Connor, I'm going to go to you first. I talked a lot about the Glen Hill and stuff last week for the last wrap-up show, but we get more we get more information this week. I want to stay on it. Uh, I I don't understand how this happens, right? It it really does seem like, from everything that anybody says, that Glenn Helen's just kind of, they do what they want, and they don't really take any uh, outside thoughts as to why these things are being done. And Davey Coombs even talked a little bit about it with their their philosophy really needs to change if they were going to be part of the Nationals and how they wanted to cap the media access, uh, free media access anyway. And after that cap, everybody, the media guys have to pay it's just they're in their own world, and it's really interesting that they – I guess they're still one of the biggest tracks in the state, you know, or in the world – in the country, really, and, uh, you know, most popular tracks. And you ride there, so you know a little bit about it.
2: Yeah, it's it, – it is – like, I have definitely side with Paul on a lot of it. Like, I, I mean, I I end up going there sometimes, especially before outdoors and stuff when everyone's out there, but I try to avoid it kind of at all costs because, like you said, they just basically – it seems like they just create unnecessary dangerous situations for really for no reason. Like, I mean, there's times that you go out there and, and they have an REM race on the back track. They have people practicing on the front track. They have a uh, kid's Stasic race in the back. And then they also have a uh, uh, trophy trucks racing on the short course track. And yeah. there's 10,000 people there and it's just, it, it's, yeah, it's one of the things that, like, from all of the things that they're talking about, it's kind of they're, they do whatever they can to make as much money as they can. And I mean, in, it's a business and I get it, but do you, you don't, I mean, you in Texas, you have a lot of really big tracks and you go out there and there's a local race on one day. Like, they're not doing four other events on the same weekend.
4: No, no, they're not. You're right. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. And I think, I think that leads
2: into a lot of like, the short staffing of of practice days and the uh, the unnecessary dangerous things i think they just they spread them spread themselves too thin to try to make as much money as they can and i think that's a lot of the talking points that they've all been talking about for the last like 2 weeks is they're just basically like steve's whole thing is there's just not enough people and infrastructure and to Davy's point, like the philosophy of the whole place just kind of needs to change to to one to make vet, the vet nationals better to two make for Paul like make a normal practice day better and for Davy's point to get him back on the national schedule like right it's just a a difference in philosophy like like uh Davy said
4: I'd much rather them bring the nationals to Texas let's make that shit happen,
2: yeah, except not in like.
4: August. <laughs> true. True. Uh, triple, man, what do you think uh, about the, the Glen Helen audio, the, the talk, the fallout? I, obviously, I think it's just people at Glen Helen that weren't happy with Steve, but it's, it's just, it seems legit, right? I mean, I'm not out there. I love the stories. I love the discussions because it makes us laugh and it blows our mind when we hear all these stories, but uh, I'm ser- seriously surprised how it keeps happening. Yeah. And it's, it's one of
1: those
3: things where I think this is why Steve has such a good following it's he he talks about things like this, right? He kinda of, he's not trying to be rude, he's just trying to give information. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of people respect him, is because he's he's trying to break down the sport and for World Vets to be as big as an event as it is and to have those struggles. As a promoter, and like Davey said it too, as a promoter you'd almost want to learn from that and then put it into the into good use for next year. So I think it's one of those things where I hope it never stops. You know, you've mentioned it multiple times every year the world vet show is always good and it keeps getting, you know, it provides good content. So I hope the, uh, the world vet talk never ends, honestly, because it's, it's pretty interesting. And Glen Helen talk, there's always seems to be a Glen Helen story, you know, from, from Anderson and I believe Dino getting hurt there last year. Or yeah. There's always something going on at Glen Helen. So that's we'll, for sure. Uh, I don't know if they'll ever, I don't know if they'll ever change their ways. Like today, Yamaha was out there for the YZ 125 intro. So it's like, Gwen Hell is a staple in our in our sport. It's been around forever. And it, I would love to see it back on the, the motocross schedule, but it sounds like what Connor said that the philosophy is to be changed for, for that to happen.
4: Yeah, exactly. Uh Connor. What do you think about guts racing, man? What, what kind of seat covers are you running?
2: Oh, only guts. Andy Andy is the the best person. I think maybe in the industry. He he's helped me out more than he ever should have. He had built and fully assembled a seat for me while i was like in nortel one time within two three hours or something he sends me more stuff than i need like i have two full seats built and ready to go just in case i have a a blowout in my (laughs) pants or something and need to change seats during a moto or something i'll probably find someone other than triple to help me change it but the guts seats are the only way to go for sure
4: yeah it's pretty cool triple i got a chance to go to the guts racing uh you know the the warehouse, the office and all that, and check it out when I was out there for Hangtown. And he was explaining to me how, like, he has all the side panels cut out for every model bike, all the different colors, all the center pieces. And when somebody calls in and has a custom order, they instantly pull those parts, they're pre-made, sew them together, and like they can turn our seat around in like 24 hours, you know, in no time. And no other seat manufacturing company can do that because they don't have the stock of the individual parts at hand the way he does, all the different colors ready to go. Uh, It was super impressive. And, yeah, like Connor said, Andy's just a cool dude. Uh, What about you, man? Are you running guts on your bikes?
3: Oh, yeah. I got the Phantom Light foam and the RG. Hell, yeah. Um, So a lot of people are like, what is that thing? It's got the big old flaps on it. I'm like, dude, that's for my wide ass. Don't don't judge me.
0: That's Um, it,
1: man.
3: But yeah, Andy Andy's always been good. I actually just talked to him the other day. He's helping me out with the ninety six KX to hundred build. And uh we're excited to have some to have Gus Racing. He's always been good to me. I can't complain and like you said, the facility is amazing. They do a lot of stuff uh that people don't know about. You know, they do some stuff for the OEM. So when you're ordering like an OEM seat it comes from Andy. Um and they also did the the hot Rockstar Husky graphics, you know, for the last couple of years. They didn't have them last year, but um to see that Graphic print machine that Andy's got at, at Guts Racing. is really
4: cool. Absolutely. So check out gutsracing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam that Triple J had mentioned. Uh, they've, they've worked with most of the top teams and most of the top riders throughout the since the 90s. So give them a shout out. Check them out. Appreciate them being part of the Pulp Mech Show. Uh, let's stick with Glenn Helen talk for just a little bit. We're going to revisit the Race Tech rant. I want to give a shout out to Checkers and Race Tech. Uh, not a sponsor of the wrap-up show, but regardless, checkers hit me up, and when Kiefer gets that YZ250, apparently they're doing this, the suspension for me. Uh, unbelievable. You guys have no idea how thankful I am and blown away every time somebody is willing to help me out or do something for me, including Steve and Chris, like, giving me a bike. Uh, it's just the fact that this these things happen to me, um, It's it's a blessing, honestly. It's... The fact, you know, I've been doing this now—I don't know, four and a half years, five years—quote unquote media guy, and the it's just really Connor and Triple. It's so hard for me to wrap my brain around sometimes the opportunities that I've been given, and I'm very thankful to those guys, including Checkers, Steve, Chris Kiefer, Andy Gregg, for all the things they do. So I cannot wait to try out some Race Tech suspension. Race Tech Rent, though, um, let's listen.
5: Racetech rant of the night. Pulp 21 is code to save with Racetech.com. Official suspension of the pony on his YZ250. He uh, doesn't have it yet. No, he's getting it. Okay. And uh, Racetech.com, thank you to those guys for making things happen at Racetech. Which guy? And uh, the motor work, suspension work, they can dial you in. My Racetech rant of the night, I had a couple of them. Uh, for sure, it's one of them at the 60.4% of people that voted for you and JT. You don't like that. That nah, fuck those people. That's my rant. You, why Why are you voting when I made perfectly logical comments and both you and JT came around to my end of thinking? I'm not that angry about this one, but it just goes to show you the kind of society we live in today.
0: Okay, it hit me with it. It just goes to show
5: you the world we live in.
0: Can we stay within Moto, though? Yes. Okay. Yeah, how weird are we getting?
5: I, I was harsh about the World Vets last okay. week on the show. You heard Chicken's Kid say I was right. Those people that called in last week said I was right. You know They're still going back, but they said all the things I said was right. John Anderson, a W, bless his heart, good guy. Love John Anderson. John, love John Anderson. <laughs> Told me he had, a cu- he had a couple of people ask him if he was going to quit advertising with me because I criticized Glenn Helen. Why would they say that? That's the kind of world we live in now, <clears throat> where you tell the truth or you offer an opinion, and if people don't like it, they're going to pull your advertising. Now, John is not going to do that. John's awesome. He was laughing about it. But people were like, you should pull your advertising, or are you going to pull your advertising with Mathis? Because he criticized properly. That's like Properly uh, criticized the race. Yeah, yeah, like,
0: fuck. Leave the guy alone.
5: Right. So, again, that's the world we live in, and that's my race that ground the night. Like, stop fucking doing that. Like, if I have a different opinion than you, that's cool. We're, right. We all have different right. opinions. Right. So just let that go, and don't be like, oh, you're going to cancel and pull the advertising. Like, No. And again, everything I said was factual and on point. If you go by the Jake tonight, you go Chicken's Dad, Chicken's Kid, you go by the calls last week, everybody agrees with me.
0: Don't write any emails about it because we're going to bring them up 10 years from now.
4: (laughs) Connor, man, this one gets under my skin, man. The way the world is right now, as Steve said, the world we live in right now, I get very frustrated. I get wound up that people have nothing fucking better to do than to interject their thoughts into what other people are doing. Where the fuck do they get off contacting John Anderson, who clearly was somewhat on board with some of the issues last Monday night and like expecting him to not sponsor Steve anymore. It's just mind blowing what people do in social media. And like they, they just think their fucking opinion matters in these situations.
2: Yeah, it's, it's crazy and and like you said if if these people that that steve is talking about if they probably like they probably didn't even listen to the whole show because john came on and like you said pretty much said all of the same stuff that steve said right and it, it's not like john is putting their ace on and if anyone knows like all of the guys at WR are some of the best guys in the industry too so for them to yeah interject their opinion into what they think john should do it it's just insane the yeah the world we live in in 2021 is is that shit crazy
4: i i do not disagree with that triple uh i think i i kind of made the point last night like you know okay a few months ago year ago whenever it was chick-fil-a there was this big uproar because they didn't support gay rights or something along those lines. It was something to do with that, and people were in uproar. And they're gonna, you know, they're they're posting about it and they're sending emails and you know, don't don't go to Chick Fil A, like if I'm one of those people and I have a problem, let's take the Glenn Helen uh, WUSA thing. Like if I have a problem with it, then I quit listening to Steve. I don't need to ask John to do something about it. I don't need to reach out to. I just don't go get a fucking Chick-fil-A sandwich if I really had a problem with it or whatever. Like, it's not, I don't need to let you and everybody in the fucking world know that I'm trying to take Chick-fil-A down, you know, they should suffer. Like, it's just, fuck you, do your own thing, worry about yourself.
3: It's, it's the world we live in today, dark side of it. I know we keep repeating ourselves, but it's, uh, everybody has to have their two cents and, you know, Connor and I, you know, with the brands we work for, it's, we hear about it all the time, and it's uh, it's just one of those things where like you're gonna have your haters, and you know it's uh, they, uh Steve does a good job of kind of not sh- being shy about it and blowing those people out, and I love it. Like he's just like, dude, like who are you to come at me? Like I have my yeah. relationship, so you can fuck off. And I love it. Well, so, it, it, I uh, I hope he never changes,
4: especially in this situation where he wasn't making shit up and you know, he wasn't just trashing him for no reason. He was bringing up legitimate fucking reasons. I just, I don't yeah. know, dude. Oh fuck. Snowboard. Well, snowboard's not that bad, but like vital, that kind yeah, of stuff. Cool. Yeah, Like the vital, the YouTube comments. Sometimes people get on there and I'm just like, dude, like don't listen then. It's not what a lot
3: of people don't realize is when you do stuff like that, it just makes you look worse. Especially in our industry. It's so small where like when you do stuff like that and try to blow people out, like it almost makes you look like an idiot.
1: Yeah. It does
3: make you look like an idiot. Like, you know, it's like, okay, you have your, you have your opinion and that's cool. But you know, Steve is such a respected dude. Like you're not going to go and talk shit to one of his top sponsors and try to get them to drop Steve. Like good luck. Exactly. Andy Gregg and saying Andy, uh, Steve fucking talked all this shit. Like you should never associate with him. No, that's not going to happen.
4: No, it doesn't work like that. Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah. It wasn't the the most rantiest of rants from Steve, but it definitely gets under my skin cuz I see the shit. All just like the people that I could tell. Yeah, like people, you know, I especially a year ago, there was tons of voicemails and emails, fuck dark side, dark side socks and okay, like I'm sorry that my minute and a half fucking call into the show ruins the whole other 5 hours for you. Sorry. Like yeah. why do you need to let everybody know that you fucking don't like me. Like uh, fine. Don't yeah. like me. I well, don't like a voicemail. I like
3: the voicemails, like voice I'm not a big fan of voicemails. Yeah. I hate the voicemails. There's, a, there's yeah. a button on the, on our phone. that's called fast forward. It's yeah. Easy to use. Hey, like, it's, it's modern technology. Just fast forward it.
4: Right. So it's here we go. Life. You bringing that up. You know, people bitch about the wrap up show being on the Pulp MX main show feed. Oh, it, I don't want it yeah. on my show. My, my phone or my, whatever. Like, what well, Is it that hard to swipe left and delete it? Like, really? Just don't fucking listen (laughs) to it. God. You
2: feel the need that you have to call in and leave a voicemail or send an email? Like, no one cares about
4: your opinion. It it literally took more time. Move on. Yeah, it took more time for you to email or voicemail to complain than it would for you just to delete it.
3: Yep. Yep. Well, that's the problem with motocross nowadays. Sorry, Steve, we're getting off topic, but... It's uh, you know, motocross. you go to a race and it's hard to race nowadays. Cause there's 85 fucking classes. Cause <laughs> right. everybody's like, well, my kid's not ready for that class yet. Yeah. It's like, Hey, if your kid's not ready, like, you know, that's how you going to get better. Good luck. You can't give a participation award to everybody.
4: Well, that's a good segue right there, Connor. So, uh, Talking about not being ready for a certain class, Paul gave Steve some shit uh, Monday night about not racing the expert class, even though Steve hasn't been in the expert class for like 25 years. I rode novice when I first rode it. Wait I, a second. You rode novice? Yes. Because Wait I, a
0: second. Oh, okay. Well, we're, let me we're, get it. Weren't you an expert or a pro? Yes. Once a
5: pro, always a pro. Okay, but listen, so I rode, I didn't know I would race forever. My very first motor I rode novice, I moved myself up. I got second.
4: All right, so the reason I pulled this is a little bit of ball busting going on, I think. But I, this is a big topic for me. My uh, my guy, TJ, my, my co-host, and I go back and forth because I've been racing dirt bikes since the mid-90s. I'm still in the plus 40, 45 novice class. I'm probably novice for life. But here's the deal. Steve was an expert in his young days, right? Four-time Manitoba champion. Uh we saw his start from his first race back. He's not an expert. You, you just aren't. If you go out, like he said, I signed up for the novice class and I was too fast. So I went back and I moved up to the intermediate class. Like he did the right thing. If you go out and race somebody in the expert class, he's going to get completely smoked. Now, Connor, I'm going to go ahead and kind of feed you the line you said last night, you like or one of you guys said last night about me, you're not going to get better unless you ride with better people. Which is true, but if you go out and race in a class where they're 15 fucking seconds a lap faster than you, you're not learning shit. You're just practice you're you're paying race fees to go practice for four laps. And that's bullshit. I want to race with guys my ability level and where that stands here in Texas is I'm a novice rider. Steve feels like he's an intermediate rider. I'm on board with where what he did. I think that's the right thing. Uh triple, you go first.
2: Yeah, it's
3: uh one of the things that we we joked about last night and we were giving you crap. But yeah, I mean it's in all in in all honesty, yeah, you don't want to go out and blow yourself out and get hurt for overriding your head. So I think that's kind of where Steve's at, you know, it, it, he is a four time Manitoba champion, but he's getting a little older now and it's uh, one of those things where he doesn't want to go race expert and get blown out. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, same with you, you know, you don't want to ride intermediate and then waste all your money and just feel like you're, you're uh, not having fun.
4: No, I want, if I'm going to race, I want to compete with guys. Basically my level Uh, TJ, he's always like, Oh, you just want to win. I'm like, well, I don't win all the time. I might be top three or four when I was racing a bunch, but I'm battling with guys that are my speed. The guys in the intermediate class, I can't even fucking see them after the first lap. That's not racing. I'm not learning shit. I'm just throwing my money away to be last, and that's not what I want to do. Uh, Connor, tell me you agree, man. Come on.
2: Yeah, I mean, like you, I mean, a perfect example is like you and Steve, and you, you guys are racing for fun. Yeah. So going out there and riding by yourself in last place in the class that, you or whatever people say you technically should be in that that's not the point like if you're out chasing Loretta's and doing stuff like that then then people are gonna care and pay attention to the the rule book and all that stuff but you guys are out there racing for fun to have a good time so race the class that's closest to your skill level and speed level and that's gonna be the safest option for anyone anyway you're not 15 seconds faster than the, the next guy and you're not 15 seconds slower than the the last guy. So I think, I mean, yeah, it's some of the stories, like some of the stuff Chad said with his whole story and all of that stuff. And, and with Steve moving himself into the classes, like they're all just, you're all doing it for fun. Yes. Like that's the yes. point is to have a good time. So why bother wasting your money or throwing your money away? Like you said, just to go, not have a good time
4: yeah i'm not racing like a a class down sandbagging so that i can just go win all the time i'm just don't want to lose i want to i want the opportunity that maybe i can win a race here and there you know i mean shit yeah you know, that's it's not fun watching those guys just take off and be like oh wow all right where'd they go so yeah not fun kind of you know triple you know how that feels i mean that's why you ride in yeah. a lower class so you don't have to make connor look bad
3: no, bro. That's why I don't race. I just hang out because you know it's 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 easier to look good on the gram when you're not racing.
4: Hell yeah, all yeah. So
3: all show, no go. And yeah, screw yeah, oh. that. Connor, Connor doesn't want the smoke. We've already discussed. I was only like eight seconds off about a track, and he was all buttered about it. So it's fine. Oh my
2: god.
4: Well, what? Give it. What? what what's the story, Connor?
2: Uh, I, don't, I I'm, I'm pretty sure it <laughs> was 12 or 15. First off, and it was a it was a brand new track <laughs> that had never been ridden. And we went out there, and it was a hundred percent flat. There was two people riding it, and I rode one day, and he rode like three months later.
1: Oh, okay. And got
2: his lap time, and said that the t- that we were we were twelve seconds apart or whatever. He's like, "Oh, I got you, dude."
4: That's awesome. I love it. I, I love that. That's so great. Oh.
3: So I'm I'm signing up next year. I mean, there's already guys in the pro motocross series that are like fifteen seconds off car already. Yeah. So good. I just got I just got to put one heater.
4: Are you get Are you gonna sign up for the uh, the Paula race or or the the fly the fly race, fly national fly
2: raceway?
4: <laughs> fly raceway? I'll no, right I'm... now
2: I will hang up right <laughs> no, now. Heck no, heck no. I'll pay for your entry triple.
4: Uh,
2: no, I'm out, dude. I don't want to train. That's overrated.
4: Yeah, yeah, well, we're gonna we're gonna talk about training here in a minute. But let's uh, let's move on to Nick Way. I love fucking Nick Way, man. Um, yeah, I've mentioned this many many times on here. Nick Way on an interview with Steve said a quote that uh, we've kind of discussed last night. It's like actually more common than I thought. I actually heard Chiz just say it the other day, but Nick way said I stay ready so I don't have to get ready. And I absolutely just like f- fell in love with the guy at that. I thought that was the coolest quote ever. Um, but he came on Monday night and like, I'm expecting, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes of, Tell us what AC's doing now, You know, how he's looking. How's Maca do this year? How's he going to be? Is, is he going to be ready for 22? What's he look like right now? And what we got was Steve asking, Hey, is everything good with those guys? And Nick Way's answer was, Yeah, that's it. That's what we got. And then we moved on to other stuff, like the Bob Hanna story and all that good shit. But uh, give me some thoughts on uh, Nick Way, N-Y-K, NYK Triple. NYK is probably one of my favorite favorite
3: guests. Yeah. Like, Every time he's on, you get good, you get good info. He's, he's solid. So, um, the Bob Hannah stories were off the charts. And then the, the banter that him and Steve have like chill, bro, chill down, bro. I got this. Like, and then the stand banter and the pool banter, like it's always good, good info. So, um, like I said earlier in the show, it'd be awesome. I feel like to have a uh, Nick and Paul and maybe Randy. Cause those, all those guys are really close mm-hmm. So all three of them together. I think would be a really good episode.
4: Carter, we said uh, NYK, like he's he doesn't get super excited, he doesn't get angry, he's always cool. And I think you said last night, like he's a five, and he but he's a cool yeah. five.
2: Yeah, he always has. He has like funny little one liners that are always good and make you laugh. And um, it's funny the they stay ready so you don't have to get ready thing. I was I was out at uh Fox Raceway a couple weeks ago. Where's and that? Where's that? And I've it, never heard of it. Nick and uh, both of his kids actually showed up with their pants and knee braces and everything on. Like all they had to do was put boots on and a Jersey and helmet and go. And all of us were still like sitting there unloading stuff and starting to get ready. And they were already like a moto in. So Nick, Nick lives by that. He doesn't just say it like he lives by stay ready. So you don't have to get ready.
4: Connor that I mean, there's, there's lesson one baby to, to improve for next year, man. Come yeah, to the track. To up ready program. to go. Tighten it up.
2: Show up to a national in my gear when I don't practice for an hour and a half after yeah. I get there.
4: Yeah, absolutely. That's Connor awesome.
2: going to a national with Connor is the absolute worst.
4: The
3: dude has OCD worse than a woman.
4: Oh shit! Like, no. you know
3: how Paul and Nick were talking about like the stand. He's got a spot. Like Paul has a spot. Like you can't put the stand there.
4: Oh yeah, yeah.
3: That's Connor. Like if you put the wrench uh, in the wrong area, that Rich is getting thrown at your face. Like, he <laughs> does not like stuff yeah. out of place. Uh, so I'm, Paul and Connor are buddies because they're the similar. Yeah, I I appreciate that. I think it's I think it's good, and I think that Paul telling Steve he couldn't do that because there's no room in the van for <laughs> his stand because Paul had a spot for yeah. everything was amazing. That's why I love yeah,
4: Paul. Yeah, that was good. Uh, yeah, that I, I'm kind of on board with that program myself. Uh, a big topic that did come up, though, was this right here. So, you're like a championship contender back then,
5: and you're riding 250 Supercross. And Michael Byrne rode 250 Supercross before he rode 125s, and Chad Reed did, and so on and so forth. Jeremy McGrath did it. You know, that used to happen all the time, it never happens anymore. What's changed, Nick? Is it just like salary slash we don't want you to get hurt, but yet you can get hurt on a practice track, so I'm not sure that's it. Like, what What's changed where we don't see the 250 guys jumping into 450s like we used to?
0: Well, I think the preparation has gotten a little bit more important, per se rather than just having a guy out there. But certainly, like, the teams are way more aware of the risks, and they want to keep their championship contenders safe until it's time to really race.
5: Berner felt when he rode a factory connection bike, he was like, man, I felt so ready for that first East Coast race. Like, I felt I'd been right, making all the mains, running top tens. You know, like, don't you feel like that's a huge – like, say if, you know, one of our – say if Jet Lawrence did that now. Like, he, dude, yeah. he would feel so good coming to that opener. Do you think we're seeing – will, will that come back? Or no, that's gone forever. I don't, is it like racing the other coast?
0: Is it well, like uh, like egos or preserving the rider's stock? Like it never happens anymore.
5: Well, I don't really buy the injury thing. I know Nick, you said that, and I get it. But plenty of injuries happen on the test track.
0: Where now it's like you know the budgets have increased a bunch, and I mean I think a lot of it just comes down to just the value to the sponsors and having their best guys, like preserving their best guys that can get an ROI for the sponsorship. To be honest.
5: I mean, mm-hmm. you're not letting Jet race 450 Supercrossers.
0: Chad what? Reed, dude. As a sponsor, I'd love to see it. I think it's safer for these 250 guys in their career to stay down and not show their hand in the 450 class. And
4: Yeah, so Triple, uh, this was, uh, yeah, like I said, it was really a, a common thing a, a number of years ago. Uh I mean it'd be badass to see like Austin Forkner jump up to the 450 when he's on the you know whatever coast he's not racing in the 250s it'd be it would be cool to see I'd love to see that but unfortunately we don't really see that anymore Uh I want to talk about the injury thing in a minute but what are your thoughts Triple I mean is it is it the the OEMs the teams trying to keep their guys safe is it you know because of the the financial implications you know what do you think it is is the riders maybe deciding they don't want to do it uh where do you stand
3: Yeah I think it's a little bit of everything right it's- the manufacturers, it's the sponsors, it's uh, it's a little bit of everything. The the series, I think the 250 series, when everybody's healthy, is is pretty competitive now. There's a, there's quite a few guys that it's pretty stacked, so they don't want to risk it. But I think you know we kind of hinted out earlier how about the keyboard warriors. Like if you had Forthner or Lawrence, or one of those guys go race a 450 race and not do well, people would light them up, and it would just be like, dude, they did one race. Like you, you can't judge they're gonna be on four fifty off one race. But um I would love to see it. You know, if, if you did have Jet Lord come out or if you had Jeremy Martin do it again like he did in Daytona, it would be cool to see it. And uh but yeah, I just feel like in today's world of how much money is it seems like the money is getting bigger and bigger and sponsors and social media and everything, it's it's almost uh, too big of a risk to have these guys drop down or not drop down but to go but, to a different coast.
4: Do you yeah, agree, Connor? Connor, do you agree?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I think all of them had legitimate points about all of it, right? I mean, Paul said Paul said that he would love it as a sponsor to see it, but they all pretty much said like they don't want them to get hurt doing a race on on a bike or whatever that uh, a, a part of the series that they're not even contracted for. Like, if that took someone out of if what like someone like Jed, if he's racing East Coast or something and gets hurt on a racing a four fifty main event because some grown man in his thirties or something is trying to get money for his mortgage and cleans jet out or something like then, then I think that is where everyone is kind of having an issue with it and doesn't even want to touch it because of the potential of something like that happening. Like triple said, there's a lot of money spent for these guys to win a 250 title and there's a lot of stuff, um, everything. Like there's a lot of marketing. There's a lot of the whole team of any brand that's behind him needs them to win the championship that they're that they're actually paid to win yeah just getting exhibition races on another on on the opposite coast you know
4: the programs are not quite as loose as they used to be um i do want to touch on so steve made the comment uh plenty of injuries happen at the test track and that's true they do happen uh but earlier before the supercross season started this year uh Daniel Blair reached out to me and he's like, Hey, go back and and go through the injuries of the top five or seven guys in each class that they've had over the last three or four years. And then track it a little bit this season. And I want to know, you know, is it more likely for them to get hurt practicing at the test track or at a race? Cause we were going to discuss it on a, on the main event show when I was there in Houston, that's what we're going to talk about. Never really happened, but I did do a lot of the research and I would say I didn't, break it down completely high 80 to low 90% of the injuries happen while racing. Uh, you know, you, you, we, we would love for those guys to keep riding. Like I mentioned Austin Forkner, right? Because you can't really practice for race pace, race intensity, race, um, atmosphere, but you are more likely. I mean, it's pretty much proven if you go back and look at all the injuries that you do have more injuries while racing, Austin Forkner, Jeremy Martin, Alex Martin, McAdoo this year. Think about all those injuries while racing. Not anywhere near as many during the offseason while at the test track. So I think it probably is a smart thing for the OEMs, the the teams, to say not not doing it. But it's very disappointing for us as fans because we would love to see it. It would give us more to talk about. Um, But good content. Again, as I say, man, it's just good topics that come up, stuff that Steve comes up with, the questions he asks – always leads into good stuff real quick i want to flashback again to glen helen we want steve to go back and race the vet worlds next year uh jt and then the guys talk about hey man you got to train you got to start eating better steve says i'm not doing your voodoo gypsy diet but he does he, he does road bike or he e-bikes and he acoustic bikes every once in a while and most of the time, he chooses the best tire for that, and that's the Michelin bicycle tires. They're a sponsor of the wrap-up show. Thank you, Randy Richardson, for coming back on. And they make killer stuff. You got to check. It, you can check out all the stuff they offer if you'd like to. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zinc and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range. Of bicycle products including the mountain wild enduro the e-wild the jet xcr competition road power road they, they've got so many options including 20 inch bmx tires if you want to go out and hit the, the pump track on a 20 inch they got that shit michelin bicycle check them out appreciate those guys either one of you uh mountain bike and uh connor is that something you do for your training
2: yeah, I'm uh, definitely getting more into mountain bike, too, and I, uh, I've been talking with Steve about it, but I yeah. did actually ride a bike the other day that had some Michelins on it, and I was sticking to the trail like Velcro.
4: I bet you were. I bet you were. A triple, I'm not even going to no, ask you if you, you ride a mountain bike.
3: <laughs> I have three dark side, but I don't ride them. <laughs> well, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But uh, hey, shout out to Randy Richardson for the yeah. Moto Bike Club tonight. Um, Hell yeah, yeah. That's tonight. crushes it. And then they also got some cool stuff coming next spring. So definitely keep an eye out on Michelin because there's some cool stuff coming out the pipeline.
4: Yeah. So who do you like my, I would love to see Randy win this thing, but I think I'm going with Anton as the favorite because he has history growing up in oval track. He's a big sprint car guy. So I just feel like he should know a little bit about driving circle track. Connor, who are you going with?
2: Uh, I'm going to say we is going to take the win. We and I are good buddies. I may or may not have him on the payroll, but <laughs> regardless, I, we just got it all day. Okay.
4: Long. I, I don't, I don't see that. I, I think he's a little, I, I love weeds. I don't see him being aggressive enough to get it done, but we'll find out triple. What about you, man?
1: Yeah,
3: I, I think now Anton rides, like he did the GCC this year at Ironman. So he races quite a bit. Yep. But I will say watching Randy ride the, the smoking 87 is, is a classic. I got the, chance to ride him watch him ride that thing dude he rips on that bike
4: yeah what's well, fastest man in piedmont prove me wrong all right last thing i think on glenn helen i believe our boy chad called in monday night and i have talked many many times about the callers that call in to the pulpit show that you, you got to be prepared you got to be ready to go you got to get your point across then you got to shut the fuck up and listen uh you know and you, you have to have be composed this is a good example of a good call. Caller Chad had good content. Whether it was, I kind of felt like Monday night, it was a little exaggerated. Not sure now after hearing Caleb Tennant talk about it last night, if it was, but I liked the call. It was entertaining, even if it was all bullshit, but we're going to listen to a little bit of it here in a minute. Uh, triple just real quick. What were your brief thoughts on Chad when he called in?
3: I was almost about to fast forward it.
4: Yeah. But
3: And I actually got, once he said Taylor's name, I started listening more. Okay. But overall, I think it was really good just to kind of see how much money he spent to do that. And then (laughs) $1,100, and then the fight, calling those guys pussies. That was pretty funny.
4: Yeah, we're going to hear all that.
3: And then uh, then his wife drawn the line at one class. Right, right. But you can only raise one class.
4: Yeah. How about you, Connor? What did you think of the call? Uh, Was it good? did you believe it Monday night? Yeah, it was
2: kind of like, sort of like you said, I mean, he, it was almost too good. Like he had, he had everything lined out. Like the story was ready to go and you never knew what the hell a dude was going to say. Like he would start talking about something. And then the, the pretty much the best possible outcome that you could think of is exactly what he said next. So I totally understand, like from your viewpoint, like, this might be bullshit. Like it's, everything seems like it's almost too good. Yeah. But yeah, if anyone goes and listens to Caleb's part at the end of this, cause we all listened to it last night. Like it sounds like the dude's a genuine dude, like just wants to help people. And, and he has the funds and the availability and like the, the capabilities to do what he wanted to do just to go race one race. And right. Like good for him. If he's helping people and, and any, uh, all of this stuff actually happened, then that makes it even better.
4: I agree. Like I said, I'm going to post, I'm going to add the, the content, the audio from last night at the end of this thing. It's, it's a little, it's a little robotic sounding, but if you want to check it out, you can, you can get through it. It's not so bad. You can't understand it. Uh, but let's listen to what he had to say. We'll give you a quick reminder of that call
1: real quick. It's going to take me two two to three minutes, but I got to tell you the backstory. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're going to crack up. Okay. <laughs> I've gone the Glenn Hillen website in June said, looking at the world vet race. I've only done one other race in my entire life. Uh been riding for a while, but one other race. Okay. So, Honey, I want to race the world vet. She goes, Okay. I got a KX two fifty, a twenty twenty at the time. I go to my wife and say, Honey, I can't do it on this bike. I need I need a four fifty. She goes, great. Well, go get what you want. Get the truck. I said, honey, I can't do this without some sort of a trainer. Said, you know, I've never oh. races, event, I didn't a yeah. racist event. I did right. My wife, my, so my daughter comes and she goes, hey, this guy, Caleb Tennant, he trains Deegan, he does local training. Call him. I get on TTR treatment for this fucking thing. Wow, so Now bro. Caleb goes, you got to get the suspension Done. Done go down three grand on suspension. I'm in 25 or 30 grand sitting in the corral thing where they fucking corralled you in. Yeah, And I'm talking to these guys before my race. I said, Hey, um, you know, first time here, he goes, Oh, I've been racing 20 years. I go, Oh really? I go five of us from Washington and five from Arizona. All our buddies come down and we race here every year. Yeah. I go, you've been racing 20 years in the novice class. He goes, no. He goes, I ride expert where I'm from but we're racing down two classes because we heard there's a bunch of sandbaggers from California. Oh my God. And I go, yeah, yeah. go, I go, oh, I go, well, that's kind of like a, a pussy thing to do.
0: <laughs> I like that. And she said,
1: hey, um, I had a question, like, you know, there's some guys on the line said they purposely sandbagged. Mm-hmm. Do you know anything about this? She goes, yeah. She goes, we checked during practice in the 40 plus practice and those 11 guys were about 12 seconds a lap faster. And... We didn't remove them because they had already signed up for the intermediate class. And I go, hold on a second. So you were too fucking cheap to refund their money. And instead you let them screw over all the people that were riding in the right class. She goes, yeah, basically I said, here's the deal. I'm gonna go back to my truck and get you $1,100 and i want you to refund their money and i want you to fix the si- i want you to fix the finish results i want my medal clang 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 <laughs> i paid a lot of fucking money and if you back the 11 people out yeah. i won the race this whole time i'm not noticing there's like three guys behind me okay and I'm, as I'm insulting these guys that sandbag, I'm not realizing the three guys behind me were part of the sandbagger crew. <laughs> this guy winds up and takes this looping swing. And I mean looping, like you could have put a fucking post stamp on it. On a sundial no. on it. No. Oh my on a fucking sundial. So listen, so, of course, I step back, I saw it coming from a long way, he spins around, like spun himself around, and lands right into my arms like we were taking a fucking wedding picture. (laughs) So I lock him up, and I got him in a rear naked choke. Anyways, I'm pulling out, get ready to leave, they're all three standing there with his wife. I rolled down the windows. I look out, I rolled down the window, at this point I'm pissed, I rolled down the window, I said, hey man. Apologize to you guys. I hope you guys get home soon. I'll see you fucking pussies next year. <laughs> <By the way. laughs>
4: all right. So, as I said, there's a lot more to it, right? I cut a bunch of stuff out, condensed it. That was actually three minutes of audio. If you guys remember at the beginning, he said two or three minutes. It was probably more like a 10-minute story. But it was good, man. It was good. So, I I don't know. I still don't, I don't fully believe all of it. I still think it might have been a little exaggerated. But my opinion of the guy is a little bit higher after talking to Caleb last night. So check that out at the end of the show. If you want to, uh, go back and re-listen to the whole story on pulp, if you feel like it, but good stuff, man. It was a lot of fun. I don't really care if it was even fake story. It was, it was worth the listen. Um, Hey, those are ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs. No, Motorsport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good, too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your your next ride your best ride only at motorsport.com. Go on there and get you some X-Brand goggles, some fly racing gear, anything you want, man. Motorsport's got it. Isn't that right, Connor?
2: Oh, yeah. Motorsport has anything and everything you would ever need. Absolutely. If there's anything you can't find or if you're just lazy and want to sit on your couch in your undies and order some order some parts, you can't go wrong with motorsport.
4: I like it. That's a good read. That was a good uh, promo. And I dig it.
2: Uh, I didn't even have that scripted either. No,
4: you didn't. That was right off the top of your head. It was good. <laughs> uh, last little piece of audio I have. This was something kind of in the beginning of the show. Made me laugh a little bit. I kind of found the, the difference of opinions interesting. Let's hear it. What's up, Bud? How are you? I'm
0: here. It's Monday. Oh boy. Uh, you you budded him. You called him Bud. Oh. Well where are you at with Bud? Because um, me personally and, and some of my close friends, I fucking hate it really? when someone calls me oh, Bud. Oh. Yeah, I think that's what you call like a an acquaintance that you run into every once in a while. Hey, what's up, Bud? Oh. It's almost a little disrespectful. Really? I think so. Oh. Where are we at with Bud, Marks? No, nah, bud's fine. Really, yeah, bud's talent. Bud's good. I, I think we're cool. Yeah, oh. don't like it. Okay. All right. All right, bud. Insensitive.
5: Um. All right. Well, remember that. If you're listening to this, watching this, and you see
4: Parabinos, hey, you, you bud me. We're not friends. <laughs> it's not, not gonna work out. Triple. This is. I, I found this interesting, right? Because uh, I I don't have any issue with Bud, but uh, a couple, you know, he did. He fucking hates it. Um, uh, Marks felt like now nah, no big deal. Where, where do you stand on Bud?
3: Yeah, but I've had that happen before. You know, some people in in California, you say bud to them, and they 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 don't like it. Um, so I think it's one of those things, that's kind of like an industry thing, a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think Paul, I think Steve needs to make Paul a shirt or make a shirt for the website for the whole Nation that says "Don't Bud Me." Oh yeah. Or something, because it's it's uh, Paul. Paul has a point. It is it is like that. You go to if you go to a one and you go to some of these. Semis or going to the pit, and you say "Bud" to some of these guys, it, it might rub them the wrong way.
4: Well, Connor, I know next time I see Paul, what's up, Bud? Sure enjoyed you on the Pulp and X Show, Bud. How's it going? You know what's up, Hi, Bud? What's what's the deal, Bud?
2: You should a hundred percent do that, and I hope it's at a race that I'm at because I want to <laughs> see what Paul does.
1: Yeah, I, mean, but I, 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 we I
2: all know mean, Connor why No, I'm, uh, I'm a big fan of Paul. I am too a fan of me. So we're not going to bud each other.
4: <laughs> okay. We're not going to butt each other. Hell. I call my kid, bud, man. Like what's up, bud. When I see my son. So I'm, uh, I'm good I with it. That's acceptable
2: though. Yeah. It's your own kid. Like he's, he's younger. I feel like it's something you tell, like, like Paul said, it's like an acquaintance, like someone, you know, maybe, but like, whatever, maybe you're doing something else and you're working and someone's like asking you something or you're at the track trying to do your stuff. And someone you don't really want to talk to like, Oh right. hey, bud, what's up?
4: I guess I can see it like when you you see somebody and you don't remember their name, you'd be like, hey, what's up, buddy? That too, yeah. That's probably where he's coming from with it, but I, I don't know. It's it was interesting, though, man, just the quirks of people's personalities, man. It's interesting. I, I'm glad that, that that became a thing on Pulp Monday night, right? It was just a little, little thing, but it it brings up some conversation. It's interesting. I, I love it. Uh, let's talk about Moser, man. You know, we hear every week on the Experian Tear Offs, These questions submitted by Corey Moser. Do you know Corey Moser? No, nobody knows Corey Moser. Somehow Corey Moser ends up in the palace of Steve Mathis. And now we all know who Corey Moser is. I think he did a good job triple. Like he was, he was funny, especially once the wine really started flowing. Uh, Steve didn't get too frustrated with him, dropping his headset a couple times, making some noise. But I I think Moser would be a guy like I'd like to have back at some point. Yeah. I
3: enjoyed Moser. Uh, if I'm not, uh, wrong. i believe that's the first time he's in the studio. Correct. I think so. Yeah, I, I liked him. I thought he was a good addition to the show. And there was a few times I don't watch the YouTube version, but there was a few times that I felt like Steve was giving him the death stare. But I don't know for sure. But uh, I liked it. I liked how he was super comfortable around the gate. He wasn't scared to kind of voice his opinion and, and right. uh, interrupt. Yeah,
4: he was definitely. He he sort of. I texted Steve at one point. It was like, uh oh, you're losing control." But Steve uh, Connor, Steve never really seemed to be too bothered by it. Um, I didn't see any of the facial expressions on the show on YouTube that seemed like he was getting irritated, like he has in the past with Randy or whoever. Um, so yeah, what do you think about Moser? Would you like to see him back?
2: Yeah, it was good. Definitely, I think uh, I think he had some some like good points and some hot takes, and it was probably the wine that helped that the those, the lubricant. Oh yeah. Um, But yeah, I think it was, it was good. Like you said, he kind of Steve kept it all in on the rails and uh, I was sort of expecting it to go off, but I think Moser is definitely a good, a good guest to have in in person. And I just hope they, they continue the, the, I don't know who he is. Yeah. People have seen him and he's been there. I hope it continues.
4: Yeah. I was wondering if that will come back next week or in two weeks, but I bet it will. I, I think you have, you can't just drop that. That's gotta be a continuation. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, one of the tweet at Talon questions was, "Who would you bring back in their prime right now? Travis Pastrana or Jason Lawrence? Uh, Connor, what do you think, man? Which one of those two guys, and why?"
2: Ooh, I think I I think I gotta say TP. Like he he's for sure a loose cannon. You don't know what's gonna happen. He could backflip something on purpose, or he could backflip something on accident. Sure, um, sure. He could win the race. He could wheelie all the way through the whoops and pass someone like I think you never know what you're going to expect out of TP and it would be uh very entertaining to say the least
4: okay uh where are you at triple
2: I think it'd be good
3: for a TP to come back but I'm gonna go with j
4: why I
3: like uh I like having a character j <laughs> okay. character
4: that is he
3: he would be really like yeah he's a better racer but TP's still involved in the sport j just fell off the earth you know we're still we're starting to see Instagram videos and stuff from him, but having that guy back in the sport and he'd be like another I don't know if I would say Vince Freezy, but he'd be another guy that would you just you just know when he's around or the cameras are on him going yeah. to get a show.
4: Okay, I'm gonna go with TP. Someone's gonna get in a fight. Yeah, yeah, he de- he'll definitely cause some uh, drama that some of us some of the listeners some of the viewers love. Uh, I'm gonna go Dude. TP man. Yeah, he's just so fucking talented on a motorcycle. I I'd, I'd like to see him race again. Uh, yeah, I wanna I want to tell Paul Parabinos that I'm very jealous of his annual murder mystery costume party. Anybody that knows me, Steve blew me out from the FaceTime video that night. That, you know, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. That's where Darkseid comes from. But I do not cross the line of dressing up. Like that's that's my line. I'm not going to dress up. But I think I would dress up to go to this party. Triple.
3: Hell yeah. I would look like that party sounds like a good time.
5: It does.
4: And
3: the story, the stories of Paige Craig that they're talking about, about how he either wanted to kill him or they were, she was taking a character. Like
4: that's awesome.
3: Yeah.
2: I I, I could see those guys having a really good time.
4: I would think it'd be a lot of fun. Uh, Connor, you willing to dress up to go hang out at this party?
2: Oh yeah. Can we crash it? I'll wear an inflatable penis costume. I don't
4: care. Oh shit. That's uh, okay. That that went somewhere I wasn't expecting. Um, There's a
2: backstory. Actually, I have a picture of that.
4: Of you wearing an inflatable penis costume? Yep. Okay. Well, you you need to post that on your Instagram. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Moser versus JT push-up contest. Uh, I said Monday night. I I I'd got Moser mainly because Moser was on the line, and I just like, yeah, we'll go Moser. But I think realistically, I got to change my change my position to JT on the push-up contest. Where you at, Connor?
2: Um. I think I I think I gotta go JT. JT and I are we're good buddies. We're close. Um, he doesn't doesn't get frustrated at any of the weed stuff that I do or any of the the stuff with Steve. So I gotta go JT for sure.
4: Okay, triple.
3: Yeah, I work with JT, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with JT. All JT's right. A, he's undercover. We got a we got a cool gym at the Boise uh headquarters, the Fly headquarters, and them guys are always in the gym, uh, you know, grinding. So yeah. I think JT is a little undercover on the on
4: Moser. JT's intense, man. Or he has that intense look all the time and yeah, he he's rips so, uh, a yeah. Dick face. Yes, very much so. What about right. what
3: about TK, dude? What about the story about TK being an undercover sprinter?
4: Runs like the wind? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I want to see that.
3: I want to see this. Yeah, me too.
4: I do too. Uh, I guess we need to have that happen at A1 maybe. Let's have a sprint contest in yep. the pits.
2: Yeah, I would pay. I would pay to
4: see it. <laughs> Sure. That'd be cool. All,
2: I'm going to put you up against him. I'd
4: smoke him. Oh, I'm out on that. And I am there. fighting
2: words.
3: Yeah.
4: Well, there we go. We got it locked in now. I was just kidding. All right. How about JT? Anybody surprised that he's back in industry? Idiots. Fantasy talk.
2: Nope. Not at all.
4: Me either.
3: No. No. Nah, no. Nah, one I, of these I, days, I'll, one of these days, I'll join that that fantasy league, but.
4: I we'll I was in it once, but it's just too too much money to spend for something that I'm terrible at. So, yeah,
2: yeah. Out of that, I screw myself in fantasy too. Like I pick myself. I'm like, oh, I feel great this weekend, <laughs> and then I go suck. All right. So it's probably not the best idea for me to spend an extra hundred dollars on on a fantasy league that I half the time didn't even put my picks in.
4: Yeah. Oh, that's bad. If you don't put your picks in that, that's not good. But Hey, if that so happens, to make
2: sure my pit board was straight.
4: Right. But if that happens this year and you pay the extra money, there is a new feature where you will get your picks made for you up to maybe two or three times a season. Thanks to Mark's and the new deal where if you sign up, you pay for it. You can get picks from the industry. Uh, the the expert picks you'll get like, I guess your four picks from those guys. That's a pretty good little feature if you pay for it. I don't know what it's going to cost, but I think most people would probably sign up for that because a lot of people do forget to get their picks in, especially on the earlier races. They forget the time difference or whatever. They're like, oh, shit, I forgot to get my picks in. So that'll save you. yeah. Marks, dude, triple, Marks is always doing things to improve the show. Since he's come on board, the show has doubled in how good it is. And I think if Marks ever leaves, the show fails. It's over.
3: You'll be, you'll be finding Mark's on house six all by himself. Just give him Steve the bird.
4: Yep. Yep. It,
3: but no, I hope he never leaves. Um, he seems like he's bringing a lot of, uh, you know, just new things and making Steve's name, you know, a household name, you know, a fantasy in the app and just everything and the TV cameras and all that stuff. So I think Mark's was a great addition and Steve's, uh, really glad he had him on board
4: absolutely Uh, we also want to i want to mention there's trophies for the grand national champion uh this year it's ben murphy and you i think connor last night said you know it's really cool you guys say he's a privateer good dude uh really seems to know what he's doing because he's been he was good at supercross he was good at nationals he's in the moto x pod show league and he killed everybody but um congratulations to him and he's gonna get a bitching ass trophy
2: yeah that's cool it's cool that he's a a race or two. Like, I mean, it's like, even from what I just said, there was plenty of times that I pretty much, I bet you, if I looked at my thing, every race that I raced this year, I doubt I put pits in for that race just (laughs) with everything going on leading up to it. And I mean, there's some, there's some dudes that are very into fantasy that are racing the actual races. Like I had a conversation with Cade one time on the starting line that I picked him and myself and we both got double points first moto and we both missed double points by one spot. Second moto. Oh, wow. And we ruined each other's races. <laughs> <by
4: ourselves. laughs> That's awesome. Changing the way racers race. It's fantastic. I love it. Uh, last thing I think I want to touch on is manscape. When I called in, Steve brought up the manscape, asked if I how I was going. I love that thing. Battery never dies. Uh, but Steve blew out Paul Parabino's for shaving his butthole, which was a private conversation from earlier before the show started. Very uh, a la Chris Kiefer the week before when Steve blew him out for, I think, doing some testing maybe at Glen Helen. I can't remember exactly what the topic was. And yeah. Chris was like, man, I got to really preface, what I, or as Chris says a lot, preface, what I, what I say to you because you say shit on the air that maybe you weren't supposed to say. But, uh, Connor, you especially love that.
2: Yeah, I think, I think first off, Manscaped is the best uh, grooming tool of all time. I have had them for a long time, and now even more so I won't change because they support the Pulp Mech show. But I think the best line of the entire show came from when you were on the phone when Paul said, they're talking about it. And he's, and Paul said, look for my butthole on social media.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: I probably caused the 25 car pileup on the 91 because I was crying, laughing so hard. <sighs> That's great. At that, it was, it was great. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Good stuff. And speaking of drops, triple, like there was a lot of funny drops that Marks threw in this week uh, throughout. And um, I'm sure I'm going to get. Get some shit from Steve for this, but a lot of those drops I send to Marks when I'm cutting the audio for this show, I pull those out and I send them to him. A lot of the ones he used Monday night were from the week before, because there was a lot, a lot, a lot of of drops from last Monday's show.
3: They were crushing on the drops. The drops were good. Uh, Steve even said a couple times, don't clip that. So, I'm excited to have uh, some of those drops be added. And like Connor said, some of the things they do, like when they're bantering, and then a the drop comes out of nowhere, like you just start laughing your ass off. Like it's uh, it's pretty comical sometimes.
1: Yeah,
4: and Connor, Steve, almost like I think it was you last night that said he's sort of just almost ignoring them now. Like he's just so used yeah. to them.
2: Yeah, like it's some of the things like Terrell just said. It's some of the things that like make us hysterically laugh. And Steve just continues with this point. Like doesn't even pause to hear the drop. He just keeps talking. Yeah, he just knows. As he would say or as the other drop says, I pay these guys just to shit on me all day.
4: <laughs> that was a drop I pulled. which is
2: another great drop, yeah. So it's yeah. uh yeah, it's it's good. I think they're uh, they're getting better and you're helping with that and Mark's and the the execution is really what does it and yep. uh yeah, just dropping those little one liners it's it what make it's what makes it so much more enjoyable.
4: Yeah, hey, the last thing, I, I actually skipped this on accident. Um, we talked about it last night. I, I lo- this is one of my favorite topics or little topics that we had last night was best concert was one of the, uh, I, I believe it was from tweets that came up. So I want to ask you guys, I'll go to you first, Connor, best concert.
2: Yeah, uh, We like you said, we kind of talked about this, but I actually, uh, I went to, I've been to a couple actually good ones, and I thought about this after we talked, and okay. I just saw Tom Petty at Red Rocks. Oh, nice. and And that was good. I don't, like, remember it, but that was cool, like kind of a bucket list thing to see Tom Petty and at Red Rocks of all places. But I think my um, best concert was actually just recently. I went with Cody Shock um, and Cameron Peterson, one of our good buddies, and we went to a a sad summer, which was in Anaheim right next to Angel Stadium. And it was, uh, yeah, just, like, kind of the list of, of bands was, like, four of my favorite bands of all time so it was kind of cool just a random happenstance it was like 15 minutes from my house and had most all of my favorite bands so that was definitely kind of a, a bucket list like one of the cool best ones i've been to for sure
4: yeah sounds like it uh triple what about you man
2: uh, i know you're a huge fan of country uh, dark side?
4: Mm.
3: So, uh, uh dark side we're
4: gonna let you go we're gonna let you go right now
3: <laughs> sorry you're breaking up i really I really enjoyed uh, Garth Brooks. Honestly, uh, I got to see him, and it was actually a really good concert. That guy brings a lot of excitement during his concerts, and you know, it was like a five-hour show.
4: Yeah, that's somebody that I country-wise, I would actually go see. I have a lot of respect for him. Uh, he has a lot of rock and roll roots. He, he grew up listening to rock and roll and country. His his concerts are very rock and roll esque. You know, explosions. Uh, if you remember back in the '90s at Dallas or at Cal- uh, Dallas Stadium. He kind of flew through the, the the crowd and went up in the air, and that rig he used was actually the same rig that Bon Jovi used on their Slippery When Wet tour to fly through the air. Uh, but yeah, he's he's cool. I would go see Garth. He's a badass. I I would definitely go see him. That's probably the only country person I'd go see. But um, good choice, man.
2: What about like your Dark
3: side? Side? What's well, yours? yeah? What about you, Darkside?
4: Like, what do you got? Well, cool, I bet. Uh, I, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna be a little bit of a waffler here, so I'm gonna see Tool for the first time in January, so that's probably gonna be my answer after January. But the best—it's hard for me to pick my best concert because it's sort of there's different levels. I saw Kiss in '97 back in makeup, and that was the best show. Right, the stage show was fucking awesome. Not a huge fan of their music, but the show was unreal. Uh, Then I saw the Eagles right before Glenn Helen or Glenn Helen, Glenn Fry died. And musically, that was probably the best show I've ever seen. There was a moment in the beginning of the show where Glenn and Don were playing a song together, just the two of them acoustically. And fucking, I'm like in tears. It would just move me so much. Everything those guys did, what they'd been through. The history of that band, so that might be musically the best show i 've ever seen, but then one of my all time favorite bands is an eighties you might call them a hair band they 're kind of a blues rock band great white i 've seen those guys in little bitty clubs multiple multiple times my favorite singer of all time, and there 's a hundred percent chance i 'm in the front row with my hair down, and I am singing my balls off to uh, Once, Bit, and Twice Shy, and House of Broken Love, and I've probably never been happier at a concert than watching those guys play. So those are probably my top three. Not really. I know that's not my favorite. I don't know how to pick my favorite, to be honest. Is that fair? Nice. You guys okay with Solid. that? Um, I'll take it, yeah. Yeah, and then last I
3: mean, night, It's a slight waffle, but we, still, we, we respect your honesty. It is. I don't know
4: how to pick, like... If I had to pick one, I'm going to go Eagles, which, because it was just fantastic from start to finish. But uh, last night, Connor, you mentioned Ozzy, right? I I think it was you that said that. No, Uh, Justin. Okay, Justin, you said Ozzy, and Ozzy was fantastic in the 90s when I saw him twice. I saw him, I think, in 95 on uh, No More Tours tour. He was supposed to be retiring. Saw him in Dallas. Maybe three months later, saw him in Shreveport on the Retirement Sucks Tour. Uh, Because, you know, if anybody knows anything about Ozzy, Sharon's never going to let him retire. That was, he was fantastic. I also saw him at Glen Helen after the Vet Worlds in 18. They were playing at the Pavilion or whatever it's called. Uh, And I went over there and watched him. And I was front row, thanks to some people that gave passes to some of the writers, uh, the guy's over at the Vet Worlds, and I got right up against the stage. Zach Wild came out in the crowd to play a solo, and he was like, like literally leaning up against me while I'm holding his guitar cable up so people don't uh, get choked out by it. That was cool, but Ozzy was also not moving, standing in a, completely still and singing off a teleprompter, and I didn't really dig that so much. But he's 90. Yeah,
3: that, that concert was – Yeah, I was pretty young when I went to that concert, but that, that was just a, probably one time I got contact high yeah sure Was a hot box and then i've never seen that many titties on a damn uh, big screen
4: that's the thing about going to a rock concert especially in the 90s man the shirts come off yeah it was and,
3: everywhere
4: and it may be that way at country i don't know but uh yeah a lot of titties <laughs> <laughs> a lot of titties at rock concerts do what there's
2: barely any shirts anymore in this world
4: yeah well i don't mind seeing titties that's all that's all good I mean, I'm not opposed. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We, we've gotten off topic. I'm sure Steve is going to love this wrap up show. I don't know if we met the, uh, the high quality, the high level that we hit last night, but we did our best to recreate it. Um, super bum. We lost that audio, but I want to thank motorsport.com guts, racing, Michelin, bicycle tires, seal savers for supporting the wrap up show and allowing it to keep going as well as all the other sponsors of Pulpamex, including fly racing X brand goggles, W wheels guts racing, uh, go to pulp Click on the sponsor deal tab. You can find all the information for sponsors, discount codes, links there. If there's a sponsor that maybe isn't on there, you know, I don't know. Maybe manscapes not on there. Usually you can hit up Steve through the contact form and he'll, he'll hook you up. He'll get you in contact. If you can, uh, before we go, once again, I'm dark side, dark at pulp If you have questions, comments, criticisms, I'd love to get some criticism, some hate, and I can read that on air, and we can talk about it. So, do it, man. If you listen to this thing, you got any problems? I'll send you an email from my burner account. Oh, appreciate that. Appreciate that. Well, Connor, before we go, anything that we missed uh, that you would like to talk about?
2: Uh, I think I actually, yeah one of the one of the cool things I think that um, we we didn't talk about, uh, and they didn't really catch on or, or really say much was. Um, during the during lewis's segment the hearing that kimmy Raikkonen owns the ice one team yeah was pretty cool just like sort of the crossover from f1 into moto like it's cool to see how how like invested those guys like all of the f1 guys are like i mean i just saw a picture today i think of daniel ricardo's like hanging out with the lawrences and they're doing some whatever some some photo shoot or something but it's cool to see how like invested those guys they are in our sport. And especially with like Kimmy owning a team and the professionalism from F1, you can definitely see it in that team. Like if you haven't seen pictures of that truck, like it's a semi that basically folds out to be a wider, like a wider, it's, instead of a tent, it's like a glass, a glass workshop. And the thing is so impressive. So to kind of understand a little bit more, Behind the scenes stuff, like we were talking about with Lewis, like to to hear some of that kind of some of the stuff that you don't actually know about or wouldn't know about if someone like Lewis didn't come on is is kind of one of the the cool parts of why I love when Lewis comes on.
4: Yeah, you're right. That was really cool. Uh, Triple anything from you?
2: Yeah, I, uh, I know
3: we didn't really talk about it, but when uh, when Paul and them were talking about Jeff Ford, I believe father of all owning the land for the, the test track, that so that was pretty cool. I had no idea about that. So I didn't
4: either. I'll yeah.
3: Another cool reason to listen to Paul is you get some of that cool backstories and info, and you know, like like we've said in the past, Paul's a good guest. Is just he's been in the industry for so long, so really enjoyed them uh, giving some really good insight during the off season, and excited to see what uh, what they got coming up next. And Connor, for you, Andy over here, Jordan Asperin uh, mechanic said to suck it, so uh, that's <laughs> good. fair enough.
4: Well, I appreciate that Fair response. Enough. I appreciate. I, I. God damn, I am tongue tied. Appreciate that <laughs> response, Bud. Uh yeah, you are, <laughs> Bud. <laughs> Thanks, Bud. Well, I think that's it for this wrap up show. Uh, thank you, guys. There will be no Pulp Mix show next week. Uh, I believe the week after they're back with Daniel Blair, so uh, a week off. Enjoy, and we'll be back with the wrap up show in two weeks. We're out. Just a quick reminder: this audio from Caleb. Not the best. I cut out the intro of me explaining what happened to him because it's a lot. But give it a listen if you want. All right. Thanks.
6: So he actually hit me up for for quite a a couple of times to get some training with him and his daughter. And I had obviously a lot going on, but uh, I wanted to get him get in some sessions with him. They seemed really excited and wanted to to get back into it. And I think he had been riding over the years back and forth, but it taken a big break and his daughter was really into the racing. I think she was about 15 or 16 years old. They knew all the riders, watched all the racing, the outdoors, the supercross, they were really big fans of the sport. So he got her a 125 and I think he got a KTM, I think it was a 250 or uh, something like that. So they came into the session together and she actually adapted really quick. And it was, it was actually pretty cool to train, um, a father and daughter. And I mean, obviously he was a little bit of a higher level than her, but she, she actually rode really well, got around the main tracks, got some jumps. So I worked with them about four or five times. Um, and yeah, they just, they, they really enjoyed it. And just, they just loved the sports and we asking how to be involved. Um, so we need people like that in the sport, you know?
4: Yeah. So did he seem like an odd guy? Did he just say like, he sounds like he's loaded uh, or is he just really passionate? Like, what did, what did you make of um, the guy on a personal level?
6: I don't know. We didn't spend that much time speaking. Um, we we we'd probably spent, we had like ride for 20 minutes. We were coming over a break, and he had talked to me about Mikey's daughter wanted to get into doing a clothing line for motocross. And she um, she, she she really wanted, she wanted to see I could help, maybe help with some teams. And I, I heard that he came from nothing. He I think he um, used to be bad on um drugs and stuff back in the day and he owns um rehabilitation centers and he got his whole life clean and i think he had was opening centers around the country helping people get better from addiction oh wow um very 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 passionate about the sports and wanted to be involved so from what i got from him he seems super keen always followed up um i don't know if anything ever came from it I i haven't heard from him for a little while but i know that um they were really excited about this whole thing and then the daughter just wanted to do something in motocross
4: That's really cool because when I was listening to the story, Caleb, I always talk. I do this wrap-up show for Pulp every week, and I talk about like sometimes he gets callers that are not prepared. They don't have good content. It's a really bad call. This guy, even if his story was complete bullshit, it was entertaining. He was ready. He had good content. It was it was worth that. But what you're telling me is, it sounds like he's just a really passionate guy. Um, sounds like he's doing.
6: Could be. I mean, he came him and his daughter they, they paid for their training. They had yeah. bikes and all that kind of stuff. He kept asking he was. He was asking that I just was very busy at the time and they said a lot going on. But he wanted to help me get involved with doing a clothing line for her. he had huh. fund the whole thing so i didn't get enough time to see whatever came from that we, we did about like i said probably about four four training sessions yeah and um that was about that but i enjoyed my time with them he seemed really cool and they, they loved the sport they just really loved the sport is what it seemed that's great and to he hear that's really
4: great because I, I was kind of worried he, he was like you know a flake or just some weirdo right making stories up
6: so i mean dude it could be it could be all stories i mean but he didn't uh he didn't see it, it didn't seem like that he yeah he he um us about these these thing in the past and came from nothing kind of built everything up. So he seemed like, dude, he seemed like a legit guy. He, he's definitely cares about others and he's daughter. And, and he, who knows? But um, he he seemed pretty cool to me. This training was probably the last time I trained him was probably about four months ago, and probably yeah. I trained him about three weeks before that. so yeah, I had about four training sessions over about three, two or three months. So it's not like we're on a regular program of training during the week and stuff it was just like some odd sessions helping more helping his daughter yeah, to be honest You yeah. would just come and listen and, and I'd give him tips over like the stuff that he needs to work on or can be bet on to help him not get so tired when he's riding and he's form but then really helping I spend most of the time with his daughter really teaching her the whole the whole step so for me it seemed like it was more about his daughter and he just really liked the racing he wanted to ride with her, and that was how they were going to spend their time together
4: hey man thank you so much for your time really enjoyed it
6: all good chat later alright see you, bud why would you want
1: to re-talk about the pulp show?
4: See you.